Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Five... Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's The Takeout. Major. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major, that's nonsense. Major Garrett. And you should know better. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett, host and creator of this amazing program known as The Takeout. So the first thing I'm going to say, everyone, listening on podcast platforms, watching on CBSN, on great radio stations around the country, Merry Christmas or Merry the day after Christmas. But I need to do that with a bit of a preamble. We're not recording this on Christmas Day. We're recording this a considerable amount of time before Christmas Day. Let me check my calendar watch. Oh, yeah, it's December 10th. Why are we doing that? Well, because we are, like so many news organizations and organizations in the country, adapting to different staffing requirements during COVID-19 and the holidays and everything else. Also, it's a matter of having guests when they're available and when we can have the best, most interesting conversation. And if we need to tape it a little bit in advance, we're going to do that. Those of you who are familiar with the show know I am transparent about every single thing we do. We don't try to do something and make it look like what it's not or make it look like something it isn't or never was. We're doing this on the 10th of December. We're running it on Christmas on CBSN and our podcast platforms. You hear in the subsequent days on great radio stations around the country, including Sirius XM, POTUS Channel 124. So that's my preamble explaining how we're doing it, and why we're doing it. Now let me get to our guest. You know, on this program, we have on occasion reached into the international part of our nation's capital. There are ambassadors from all over the world who operate in embassies, consulates, and other diplomatic facilities in the nation's capital. It's vital to them. It's vital to the United States of America. We've talked to the ambassador from Belgium on this program. We've talked to the ambassador from the United Kingdom. And I'm very happy to say we are talking now to the Italian ambassador to the United States. And Mr. Ambassador, I'm going to do this once and once only. And I'm going to try to get as close as I can. But every now, every time after this, I'm going to have you take care of your last name because I'm sure you can do it better than I can. But Ambassador Armando, Armando Baricchio is with us. How was that, Mr. Ambassador? <laughs> All right. A very extensive preamble on my part. Wish my audience a Merry Christmas, Mr. Ambassador. It's so great to talk to you. Merry Christmas to all audience. I feel privileged to access their houses on a very special day. So I will try to, to spend some time with you and with uh, all those who will have the pleasure to tune and listen to us. So, Mr. Ambassador, I'd like you to help my audience get a sense of what the COVID experience has been in Italy this year. Um, I have a sense of it because I know a couple of people who both live there and have traveled there. 
but I don't think most Americans do. So if you could help start there, because uh, we're living through it now in America, the whole world is living through it. What's it been like in Italy this year? You know, in Italy uh, has somewhat uh, a sad privilege to be the first democracy to be hit by the virus. It was back in February when my country, particularly the northern part of the country, was first hit by this wave. Uh, there was no handbook uh, on the shelf that day. So we had to figure out how to cope with the, this sort of conundrum, how to ensure uh, the health and safety of our people while at the same time preserving uh, democracy, our values, our freedoms. This has been a very difficult task. Uh, the government, the local institutions, the first responders, the first and foremost, the Italian citizens, the Italian people. Uh, numbers since the early days have been appalling. But at the same time, uh, we rediscover, in a way, the sense of community. And this has been so important to embrace uh, uh, amongst ourselves and try to, to respond in the best possible way. I have talked to some people uh, who have traveled and who live there who tell me in a somewhat um, blunt way, Americans think they know what a lockdown is, but they really don't. Uh, in Italy, we had genuine lockdowns. Uh, without getting into any of the comparative differences, which is better or worse, but just describe what the procedures were to try to achieve safety most rapidly in Italy at the, the time when you were talking about, February, March, April. Um, you know, back in February, the first days, the first week, the initial response was to... to uh, uh, isolate certain areas, the first clusters, small towns and even uh, bigger towns uh, and eventually larger cities. But then the decision was taken to extend this lockdown and we use this English uh, somewhat you know, uh, frightening uh, expression to the all of the country. So even parts of the country that were not necessarily hit by the virus and complied with these tight uh, restrictions and it's worked out because for, for weeks uh, people stayed home. It was only uh, allowed to, 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 to get out to, to do some shopping for basic foods, basic requirements, uh, shut down not just uh, uh, individual households' life but also uh, factories, all business activities. Uh, and shutting down uh, an industrialized country like Italy, member of the G7, uh, the second largest manufacturing in Europe. So this has been a very demanding and brave decision. But this was considered the only possible way to cope with this incredible uh, uh, virus that hit my country. And uh, in the end, we managed to do so because after weeks, uh, the uh, uh, numbers dramatically dropped and uh, we were, have been able to reduce um, the uh, effects, particularly uh, for the citizens, but also for hospitals because ICUs were under difficult strain. Right. And just to emphasize that point, so if you were at home and you wanted to go to the supermarket, you could, but it had to be for that designated purpose. There was not... Uh permission for a period of time for just walking around and you had to represent that that's what you were doing and as I understand you could not move from province to province or state to state I'm not sure exactly the designation uh, in Italy but travel was also limited you were basically just asked to stay where you were and only go out when absolutely necessary correct correct that that was the case that was the case um, and you know uh, Italians are <laughs> 
worldwide renowned for their, their communality, for their uh, sense of belonging to large communities, for strolling, you know, uh, along the alleys of historic towns. Uh, I, I saw beautiful, if somewhat uh, frightening images of empty cities. Uh, I've seen uh, pictures taken of the uh, beautiful historic Italian cities from Rome to Venice to Milan to Naples, completely silent and empty. Um, this was something that was never experienced before. And uh, I know it was uh, on my mind at the time when you were listing those beautiful cities, Florence also, to think of Florence being abandoned or empty, not abandoned, but empty, uh, along with all those others, almost incomprehensible. It is. And, yeah, and we, we had to, to rediscover, in a way, uh, ourselves, uh, our communities, our families, and uh, uh, with this surrounded by this incredible and uh, unusual silence. Uh, there was no sound. Uh, and this was something that, uh, in a way, allowed Mother Nature to recreate. I'm uh, a Venetian native. Uh, in my hometown, Venice, uh, for all your, your, uh, the audience uh, that uh, had the privilege to uh, visiting uh, Venice, I have to tell you that in the lagoon, in the canal, we had, again, you know, incredible uh, species of fishes, of octopus, even dolphins, you know, uh, in the lagoon, uh, because, you know, Mother Nature, in a way, uh, regains some space. So um, this also gave us lots to, to think about and to figure out how to, to show resilience while at the same time getting ready for life to be resumed as it used to be before. That's the voice of the Italian ambassador to the United States, our special guest this Merry Christmas morning here on The Takeout and Weekend. My name is Major Garrett. The ambassador's name is Armando Varicchio. More with our conversation with him, especially I want to pick up on that point of Mother Nature getting a bit of a breather during the pandemic. Not saying that that is an altogether positive result, but it's one we should take stock of. That's where our conversation will begin in segment two. I'm Major Garrett. You're listening to, watching, and most thoroughly enjoying The Takeout. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. I'm Major Garrett as... Stephen Portnoy's voice there indicated. Again, Merry Christmas to everyone. Armando Varecchio is the U.S. Ambassador to the United States from Italy. He is our special guest. Mr. Ambassador, we were talking about this kind of pleasurable resurgence that Mother Nature was able to experience during the pandemic. How do you think we should think about that going forward? You know, uh, in times of crisis, you have to, to start again uh, looking into the future, starting to looking again. Uh, but it was in times of crisis, for example, that uh, uh, culture flourishes, 
Um, remember that during one of the plagues that used to hit uh, Italy back in the days, it was in Florence that Boccaccio wrote the Cameron. So that was the day when, when Boccaccio, you know, uh, locked down in his own uh, private quarters, started uh, a journey through his fantasy. So this was the moment when, you know, life prevails and finds new ways to, to, to spread around. Uh, this is the vitality uh, of our soul, uh, and this is the vitality uh, of Italian creativity. So you have to, to wait a second to stop uh, and have a time to, to think and to figure out to build uh, a better future. So in a way, even during the pandemic, uh, mother nature and human uh, uh, nature have to, to start regaining some time. Uh, this might sound somewhat philosophical, but uh, in a country blessed with this unique history and heritage like Italy, we have gone through uh, many uh, difficult times. Uh, this has, in a way, shaped our resilience. This has shaped who we are. So it is true, as I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, we did not necessarily have a handbook for coping with COVID-19, but we have in our DNA uh, the strength, the resilience, to, uh, to be uh, an, um, aware that uh, during difficult times, we can stop and try to build and uh, uh, figure out a better future. I think this is the best lesson that we can draw from this terrible experience. It, it almost seems to me a kind of uh, almost a parable that Mother Nature is trying to explain to us. Like, it just took a couple of months where you guys eased off on Mother Nature, and you see what happened. You talked about it in Venice. It's clear in major cities in our country how air pollution dissipated dramatically, became noticeably different when there were far fewer cars on the road. It was as if Mother Nature was trying to teach a very simple lesson. If you ease up, good things or more natural things will occur. And yet, I think, Mr. Ambassador, you know and I know, the impetus on the other side of this with vaccines and better therapeutics will be to get back to sort of normal. And it's almost as if Mother Nature was saying, well, yeah, normal's good for you, but highly stressful for Mother Nature and the planet we live in. Absolutely. Uh, we're uh, uh, chatting with uh, our friends who are listening to our conversation on Christmas Day. And so uh, I think it comes natural to me to quote Pope Francis, uh, because when Pope Francis, by the way, was walking the uh, silent streets of Rome during the terrible days of the pandemic when the city was entirely locked down to visit a knee in front of one of the oldest churches in, in Rome. That was a time when, we, when he advocated to the humanity and to humankind to try to, to stop for a moment and uh, in a way figure out a better uh, understanding with Mother Nature. We have to respect Mother Nature. And you were mentioning air pollution, uh, images of no the northern part of Italy, the um, most industrialized area of the all of Europe, with this incredible uh, concentration of uh, factories, uh, data of air pollution were very telling, uh, because the quality of air was much, much better than a few weeks before. So there is a need to, to rethink a little bit. And this is why, for example, many more people are much more aware today than used to be a few months ago of the importance to, 
of tackling climate change, for example. And I want to let the audience know that the ambassador was so generous and kind to this show, saying, we have protocols here and the ambassador's residence. We'd love for you to come here. We could have a lovely lunch, perhaps a little bit of wine. Anyone who knows how I conducted myself when the show was every week in a restaurant, I rarely turned down a very nice glass of wine, sometimes had another drink. Uh, We were so enchanted by that invitation, and we very much wanted to do it. And actually, through the safety protocols of the ambassador's residence and the ones we have within CBS, we could have done it. And it was my decision not to do it for this reason, audience. And I want to share this with you because it's going to lead to the other parts of our conversation. In this country right now, things are very tough. Again, we're recording this on December 10th. It's running on Christmas Day. So whatever I'm saying now, in all likelihood, will be worse on Christmas Day in terms of hospitalizations, deaths, and caseloads. We hope it's better, but it might very well be worse. And we just simply did not want to have a visual visual representation of this show out and about eating and engaging in a way that was inconsistent with what we should be doing right now, which is to hunker down for a little while longer and ride this out. But I do want to thank the ambassador for that generosity of his invitation. We will take him up on it at the earliest possible and safest occurrence. But it leads me to this next part of the conversation, because, Mr. Ambassador, December every year in what is regarded as one of the hearts of Christendom, Rome, is a very big time for pilgrims and those who want to come and immerse themselves, not just in the touristy parts of the holiday season, but the deeply emotional and religious parts of it. How is December in Italy going to be different with COVID-19? You're right. It's going to be different for sure, uh, because uh, the holiday seasons, particularly uh, the days uh, leading to that uh, most important day for uh, Christians, which is the birth of uh, Jesus Christ, so which is an opening to the future. Uh, it is the most positive message that <clears throat> Christians <clears throat> might send to the world. Uh, is going to be very uh, directly affected by the uh, procedures that are still in place. Uh, because uh, in the face of this new maybe second, third, it's difficult to, to give labels, a wave uh, of the virus. Uh, the Italian government introduced, again, uh, tight measures intended to limit congregation, intended to, to uh, um, avoiding people to uh, go on with their traditional uh, life, particularly this time of year. So uh, on Christmas Day, uh, congregations will, will be limited to the inner circle of family, which, you know, to uh, a lighter note, is not necessarily easy to define in Italy because we are accustomed <laughs> to uh, large families. So if you have to <laughs> square a circle, uh, the radius, you know, might be quite, quite, quite long. So um, um, there are, there are, you know, geometry there comes to help. We have to figure out where to limit. Uh, these uh, congregations of family. But out of joke, I think uh, people understand and uh, comply with this. And I get back to my previous point of the challenge of introducing these measures in our democratic countries. So uh, you cannot impose from above these restrictions. You have to make sure that people uh, respond and in a way any, any individual is a sort of a first responder. So he has to, to protect himself or herself while at the same time protecting 
his loved ones and his his or her community. Right. And I, Mr. Ambassador, have been uh, fortunate enough to be in Rome twice, uh, spring and summer times, both while traveling with uh, the United States presidents. Never been there around this magical season of the holidays. Uh, I imagine it is a time that's not just full of bustle, but a kind of wonder and a kind of awe. And that, to our earlier conversation, will be much more silent, much less prevalent this holiday season in Rome. It is true. It is true. Uh, it's definitely unusual, unheard of in our own uh, lifetime, uh, but we have to, to, to uh, respect uh, this because I think this is important. And in a way, uh, coming back to the very meaning uh, of the celebration of Christmas Day, uh, respecting the others uh, is an act of love. So this is something that has to be done to protect uh, people that we, we care that is the voice of the Italian ambassador of the United States. His name is Armando Varecchio. We will be back with him for segment three of The Takeout in just one second. I'm Major Garrett. See you in a minute. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. Italy's ambassador to the United States. His name is Armando Varicchio. He is with us. Uh, again, welcome back to my dining room. I've been here for nine months. Uh, the ambassador is at the Italian embassy here in the United States, in Washington, D.C., not just the United States, dummy. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, it's great to talk to you. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, I know because you're a diplomat, uh, you choose your words carefully, but if you could, on behalf either of your government or just a general European perspective, offer any thoughts you might want to offer my audience on the transfer of power coming to the United States government and what it might mean. Oh, it is a very important moment, not just for the U.S., for the all of the world, and for allied and friendly countries like Italy. We have been uh, following very carefully with uh, great interest uh, the elections, the process uh, after the elections. Uh, now, uh, even in uh, small towns in Italy, uh, I've become aware with the with the provisions uh, with the, with the, this uh, peculiar uh, system that uh, is so old here in the United States, traditional, which is so important. And uh, we now we know the difference of different uh, counties uh, uh, in the United States. And also the diversity of this country, uh, because this is a very, very large and diverse country. And this is something that is so important. But uh, uh, the elections have sent a very important message to the world. When people uh, decide to participate, take responsibility, sometimes be in line to cast the, the vote, the ballot, this is the salt of democracy. This shows that to all who might cast doubts on the uh, on this system that we cherish so much, uh, this is the best possible uh, response. Even in Europe in recent days, in recent uh, years also, we have seen a, a decline in, uh, in the participation of citizens to elections. The US sent a very strong message. Uh, you have to, to show up you have to take responsibility. And uh, now we look forward to uh, working with, uh, with the administration. Uh, January 20th will be a very important day uh, for not just for the United States, but for the world. Uh, in the case of Italy, 
we are blessed with uh, uh, so strong and deep relations. Uh, President-elect uh, knows very well uh, my country has been to Italy, to Rome dozens of times. And by the way, he married uh, an Italian-American because um, the new first lady uh, is a proud Italian-American. So this is very important for my country. And do you think it will alter in a positive or visible way, and possibly both visible and positive, Europe's relationship with the United States? It is a crucial relation. The United States and Europe uh, enjoy a decade-long uh, alliance. Uh, we will never forget in Europe the sacrifice and so many brave young American uh, men who came to our uh, shores and saved Europe from Europe itself. Uh, that was a moment that will remain in history for forever. So uh, our alliance uh, goes beyond the different administration in the U.S. or the different governments uh, being power uh, in Europe. This is something rock solid important. It is important not just for the uh, economy, for trade, but also for uh, our shared values. So uh, President-elect Biden, uh, also because uh, of his own uh, long uh, history and experience both in Senate and then at the White House's long, decade-long experience in government um, is going to be a strong and staunch supporter of the Transatlantic Alliance. And you mentioned that uh, the large voter turnout here in the United States, the long lines, people willing to endure those long lines, vote by mail during a pandemic, make lots of adjustments, had a strong signal to the world. I no doubt agree with you, Mr. Ambassador. I wonder what your thoughts are about the era of President Trump. It was regarded as something that either tapped into or animated something that we either call populism or nationalism here in the United States. Clearly, the question of nationalism in Europe has been invigorated and illuminated by the Trump effect there. Do you think that President Trump's defeat here in the United States, the incoming arrival of President-elect Biden, will do anything important or noticeable to the idea or the popularity of nationalism in Europe? You know, what we have seen in Europe <clears throat> in recent uh, years is the fact that uh, while we have national elections, uh, wherever we have elections uh, in different countries of Europe, this affects the political discourse and the political dynamic also in other countries. When you have elections in France, in Germany, or, or, or Spain, or in Austria, this affects the political dynamic in Italy and vice versa. And in Italy too, of course, as in other countries in, in Europe, we have been experiencing uh, what has been labeled uh, populism. Uh, as a sort of nationalism, as a sort of um, response to uh, increasing doubts on what uh, has come to, to be named uh, globalization or globalism, in a way. But uh, I have to tell you that uh, being a, an Italian and a proud heir of such a long history, globalization uh, has been always there. You know, if you think back to the times of the Roman Empire, that was globalization. Uh, Venice, this tiny city that we know these days, uh, which has been independent for more than 1,000 years, was by definition globalized. Uh, you had uh, Venetian merchants uh, traveling the world back to, to the China, 
uh, and, and uh, uh, elsewhere. So this is something that has always been there, uh, a sort of pendulum between uh, opening to the world while at the same time trying to retrench within borders. Uh, and this is true for Europe, but this is true also for, for uh, the United States. Uh, I was mentioning the uh, heroic moment of uh, American soldiers coming twice to uh, save Europe uh, during the last century, but voting for, you know, uh, allowing uh, the U.S. entering into, into the war was not necessarily easy back in the days, because uh, as we know, uh, isolationism is something that uh, uh, has been there for a for, uh, long time. And by the way, so I, I can tell you, I might quote different examples in history, but I can tell you that uh, uh, coming back to your question, uh, President Trump uh, has been a friend, is a friend uh, of, of Italy, uh, so we have been working with him uh, very effectively. This is a fact. Speaking of uh, globalization, uh, I was anyone who does a cursory summary of the influence of Italians on American history, you can come across three names, Vespucci, Cabot, Verrazano. Uh, much of the cartography of the early part of the United States was influenced or informed by those three gentlemen. Uh, that was part of globalization, was it not, Mr. Ambassador? Absolutely. But if you allow me, I would add another name to your please list. Please do. Oh, please do. <laughs> I will go to the core, mentioning the man who actually was sailing the, the ocean, uh, heading to, uh, to India and eventually uh, reaching the shore. Yes. So uh, that was the moment when uh, the world was connected, uh, not discovered because this huge mass of land was there, was not there to be discovered, but it was united. So uh, opening these new waves means uh, uh, opening channels of communications. Uh, that has been an, an incredible moment in history when Christopher Columbus reached this shore. So, uh, and this was the start, the beginning of an incredible, unique relationship between uh, Europe and this new, uh, this new world that, uh, by the way, already by then had a long history. So an incredible moment in our time. That's the voice of Armando Varicchio. He is Italy's ambassador to the United States. We're doing this on December 10th. It's a Merry Christmas show on December 25th. More with our conversation with the ambassador on the other side of this break. I'm Major Garrett. The Takeout with Major Garrett is brought to you in part by Kansas City Steaks. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com today and use code SIZZLE2020 at checkout. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. Welcome back to my dining room. Merry Christmas, everyone. Again, recording this on December 10th for obvious reasons of guest availability, staff availability, editing availability, and the like. We are transparent always here at The Takeout, letting you know when we're doing it, why we're doing it, and how we're doing it, whether you're particularly interested in that or not. Our guest is Armando Varicchio. He is Italy's ambassador to the United States. Mr. Ambassador, um, we were just talking about globalization. The G20 is a component part of that idea, which is nations talking to one another, trading with one another, and working out either differences or trying to imagine a better future. Italy just took over the presidency of the G20. Why is that important? It is absolutely important uh, to have nations, the uh, most prominent nations of the world, sitting together, debating global agenda, uh, and trying to come up with uh, common responses. Um, so um, Italy uh, takes very seriously this responsibility. Uh, as of December 1st, we took over from Saudi Arabia as uh, the chair uh, of this body. Uh, I myself, uh, in my previous responsibility before taking uh, my current position of ambassador to the United States as a national security advisor, uh, uh, participating in three uh, G20 uh, summits. So, and I can tell how important it is to have leaders of the world sitting around the table and sharing views, uh, ideas uh, on a common platform. Uh, when it comes to Italy, we uh, are uh, proposing to our fellow members of this group to debate along three lines, people, planet, and prosperity. We want to take care of uh, people. We want to, 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 to make sure that, as we were saying earlier on, we come up better than we were before, even in times of the pandemic. We want to increase prosperity, but also we want to take care of the planet. We were mentioning, you know, the environment, uh, the common uh, tackle uh, of climate change. This is a top priority that we want to bring to the attention of the fellow members of this club. And my audience might be hearing all that and thinking to themselves, well, what do you do about Russia? Well, you know, Russia is an important member of G20. It's always good. This has always been the uh, line of the Italian government to have Russia sitting at a table and discussing with us. Uh, rather than leaving Russia uh, outside. It is important uh, because Russia is uh, um, a great country, uh, a great nation, uh, has incredible resources, uh, while at the same time is not a member of our alliance. So Russia is different, but Russia is there. We cannot, we cannot um, avoid discussing with Russia. Russia is by far the largest neighbor of Europe this huge mass land. And the same is China. China is also a member of G20. The second economy of the world, you know, uh, very much uh, now willing to take great responsibility. So uh, our, our goal is to have both Russia and China working with us on a labor and playing field. So sharing the same rules, sharing the same obligations. This is the best possible way to make the world uh, more peaceful and more uh, prosperous. And Mr. Ambassador, you know here in the United States for several years, and it's accelerated during the Trump presidency, 
has been this body of thought that the 20th century for America was defined by its relationship with Europe. The 21st century will be defined whether the United States likes it or not by its relationship with Asia generally, but China specifically. And the European part of the relationship with the United States is interesting, but not nearly as important, won't loom as large as the relationship with China will in the 21st century. Your thoughts on both parts of that theory? Well, certainly I can concur with the with the uh, reading that uh, uh, last century has been defined by this incredible relation with Europe. We were mentioning the two, the two uh, world war. Uh, and then afterwards, the building of the common strategic alliance, both political and military. Um, but frankly, um, I see relations with Europe uh, not just you know a leftover of the past, but a quintessential component of America' security and national interest. Uh, not just for for economic reasons. Uh, but also for strategic and people to people, because, you know, our two cultures are so much interconnected that we are part of the same community, of the same family. When it comes to, to China, it is true. Uh, these days, China is far different from the country that emerged uh, early uh, in the 50s, as of 49, uh, when, when Mao Zedong created the People's Republic of China. Uh, the economy is much bigger, uh, their military component is much bigger and more aggressive, their understanding of the world uh, is much more aware of the role of China. So uh, China is uh, there as a, not just a huge mass of land, but as a, as a great, great player in the so-called international arena. But uh, we have to cope with China. Uh, China always trying to apply the old Latin uh, dictum, uh, that is uh, divide et impera, divide and rule. China is so big that tend to uh, prefer to have bilateral relations because every nation of the world is smaller than China. So this again uh, is telling us that the more we are able, Europe and US to be united, we are much more able to cope with this new uh, great country and name China. In other words, the closer the United States is with Europe, the more power it will have collectively to deal with and negotiate with China. Correct. And in that regard, did you think that it was uh, a missed opportunity for the United States? And both parties were sort of in on it by the time this came to fruition, 2016-2017, to get out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership? Well, you know, uh, I think that that was uh, an opportunity to unite uh, nations in, in Asia and in, uh, also in the Western Hemisphere to create a common area of prosperity and, uh, you know, uh, sharing what we were mentioning before, the level playing field. Because uh, it is important that even China uh, is respecting the same rules, the same obligations. So, uh, you know, um, Acronyms might change, uh, different formats might evolve. We are not necessarily, you know, I don't want to stick to, to, to uh, this formula. What really, is, what really is important, what really matters these days, is that the great democracies of the world, the great nations of the world, uh, work together, trying to narrow down their differences so that we can better cope 
with now this new great player. That is the voice of the Italian ambassador to the United States. His name is Armando Maricchio. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. I want to wish you again Merry Christmas uh, throughout this Christmas weekend. Enjoy that. For those of you who are on the podcast platforms on CBSN, stay tuned for the takeout Outtake Especial because we're going to talk to the ambassador about the rich cultural harvest America has gleaned from its relationship with Italy over many, many, many decades. I'm, I'm Major Garrett. We'll see you on the takeout next week. CBS News. This is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. I'm Major Garrett. Our special guest this week, Armando Varicchio. He is the Italian ambassador to the United States government, the United States of America. Mr. Ambassador, um, we have six minutes. It's impossible to give any justice to Italy's contribution to the cultural life and experiences of America. But let me start here because we ask every single guest these three questions and I'll get the ball rolling. So for you, sir, most influential book in your life, one of your favorite movies or your all-time favorite movie, and if you're going to indulge yourself musically, meaning you're really going to get into something that you really want to immerse yourself in, what kind of music by artist or genre are you most likely to listen to? Well, you know, uh, summarizing uh, Italian Italian uh, contribution to, to yes, of course, is <laughs> a quite challenging uh, issue. But uh, I can tell you that maybe uh, since we were discussing, you know, um, the pandemic, you know, our these very difficult times we're living, uh, the, the contribution by Thomas Jefferson, um, that uh, uh, as a founding father uh, mentioned the pursuit of happiness. Uh, this is something that we've always admired uh, in the um, American uh, history, American tradition. Well, that comes, the idea comes from Italy, uh, but his readings uh, of Italian thinkers, of Italian philosophers, including uh, Mazzei. So we, we love to, to think that this quintessential uh, spirit uh, of American uh, uh, history as a sort of Italian touch. Right. And uh, uh, one of your favorite movies? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward now to uh, new, the new production, Italian, Italian productions. But I think that uh, I'm a great fan of Sergio Leone. So uh, Sergio Leone um, invented this particular uh, 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 style of Western movies. Yes. And I think that uh, um, uh, his movies have left really an incredible mark. So my answer is Once Upon a Time in the West. Beautiful. And uh, favorite kind of music? Well, uh, I have to tell you that I pay respect to, to American, American pop music and rock music. So uh, if I have to mention an album, uh, my favorite ever is Four Way Street by Crosby, Stills, Nash Young. Beautiful. That's great. So I will tell you, Mr. Ambassador, uh, we asked that question to every single guest on the show. The show has been running almost four years. And on music, we frequently get classical or opera and movie the most frequently mentioned movie, I think you can understand where I'm heading on this, is The Godfather. Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. So, uh, offer me your thoughts on either one of those three. three you know, the, you know, classical music and its roots in Italy, uh, not exclusively, but influenced. Obviously opera, not exclusively, but most definitely influenced. And The Godfather's hold on the American movie imagination. 
Well, I'll start with music, classical music, uh, which I'm a great fan of. By the way, I'm traditionally on December 7th in Milan to attend the opening of the uh, opera season at La Scala. This year, that was not possible. How course, great is that? <laughs> that uh, I can tell you that uh, I suggest our, our uh, friends who are listening to us these days to tune and find uh, and admire and enjoy the show that was aired on December 7th uh, by uh, a silent and empty La Scala. There was an incredible show this year with a great performance. Uh, and the title of the performance was quoting uh, the last line of the uh, Dante Alighieri Inferno. E usciremo a rivedere le stelle. So we want to get out to have the opportunity to see again the stars which is a very evocative line at the end of the Inferno. And I think that applies perfectly to uh, our times. So uh, Italian opera has left a unique, incredible mark, uh, not just in our Italian culture, but it has been one of the greatest contribution to the world. So um, I'm a great fan, I'm a great fan. On Godfather, you know, uh, I might quote uh, many, many, uh, <laughs> many uh, discussions uh, uh, taking place during the movies, one, two, three. By the way, now I'm eager to see the sequel of uh, Godfather, Godfather uh, third part. Mm -hmm. uh, but here I should have uh, my younger son, who's a great fan of, um, of cinema and of, uh, French, of uh, Francis Ford Coppola. And I know that uh, The Godfather is a great classical opera. Uh, so you have everything there. You have drama, you have action, you have passion. You have also a peculiar uh, way of, uh, for Coppola to have this uh, very slow motion, which is something that uh, uh, has influenced very, and very many directors. So I'm not surprised that uh, many of your guests have uh, mentioned this movie. But you I are the first one, Mr. Ambassador. It takes to once upon a time in the West. Right. Way. To tie these two things together, which is the idea that The Godfather is, in each of its movies and in its totality, an opera in of itself. And that is absolutely, positively true. Mr. Ambassador, it's been great to talk to you. The name Armando Varicchio. Mr. Ambassador, I promise we will get together on the other side of this. But in the, main, in the meantime, rather, thanks so much for being with us. Merry Christmas to you and everyone at the embassy. And thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you very much. You have an open invitation. I will leave you with, uh, with a title that we gave to an initiative that we launched during the difficult times of the campaign. Stay at home and eat Italian. <laughs> You've got it. You've got it, Mr. Ambassador. Be well. Thank you so much. Okay. Cheers. Ciao. Bye-bye. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Zoe Poindexter, and Jake Rosen. CBSN production by Eric Susanen, Grace Seegers, and Daniel Peebles. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS Audio. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. 
Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.